Welcome to Sonic Artifacts, offering the best deals and interesting finds and affordable vintage music equipment in Los Angeles and New York City. This week on our interview series, we sit down with Mikey Demas of Redbeard Effects. Building, testing, and shipping out of the UK, Redbeard Effects makes highly engineered, handmade pedals that are durable and ready for years on the road. This is your host, Brian Shalomi, signing in from LA. And your co-host, Max Braun, signing in from Brooklyn. Mikey, thanks so much for coming on the show. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm great. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, excited to be here. This is the I haven't done a US based podcast in a while, so I'm like really stoked, loving it. Fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Deal- dealing with the dealing with the interpolation of uh, time delays and whatnot. It's, it's good fun. <laughs> yeah, we're in three very different time zones right now. Yeah, this is technology in full effect. I like it. <laughs> Yeah, we got uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner here. I think we're all, <laughs> we're all, yeah, 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 all the major food groups are in the house. Yeah, I, I like it exactly, man. So we're uh, you're out of the UK, man. So where exactly are you located for our listeners? Um, so I'm uh, I'm based in Hove, which is just next door to Brighton, which is on the south coast of the UK. I'm currently sat in um, in South London, and our Redbeard Effects operation, if you like, sort of happens uh just near oxford in the uk that's the place that people would heard of too and uh, i share an hq with um thorpe effects who's my business partner adrian thorpe of thorpe effects so that's where redbeard sort of lives and then i just like i'm just kicking it down on the coast like some kind of like part-timer it's fantastic so tell us about how you got started and it sounds you know you have a partnership like you said with thorpe guitar effects and how that relationship works yeah so I play my main thing, my main gig, if you like, is I've been the uh, the guitarist in a band called Skin Dread for like 20 years. And about three or four years ago, I kind of was hit with the, hit with the idea of wanting to diversify my time and efforts into some other things in amongst playing, being like an international touring person, which I've done my whole life, my whole adult life. Um, and I was kind of, someone struck me with the idea of, a friend of mine said, well, why don't you start like, an, you're a big effects guy. Like you love pedals and stuff. You're a nerd with that kind of thing. Why don't you start a company like making and selling them? And I was like, I, w- I wouldn't even know where to begin. Like how would I, I wouldn't even know where to start. I was, and I'm kind of like, I've got this kind of perfectionist thing going on where it's like, I, know, I I could totally buy a bunch of kits online, make them in my bedroom, solder them, make them look, you know, print some decals, stick them on. And bleh. but I'm like, you know that kind of effort no one's going to do no one's going to buy them like i wanted if i was going to do something i'd want to do something proper and i wouldn't even know how to begin so uh, at the time i went to my i basically was full of like no 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 i can't do it and then my friend totally just shot me down one one little excuse after another <laughs> of like that's bs that's rubbish you could totally do this that, that that's not true but and i was kind of left pretty defenseless of like yeah, they've actually got a really good point. I've just never, never con- considered that it's something I could, I could do myself. So, I went to my friend Adrian Thorpe, um, who I'm who had known for a little while, um, in a semi-professional capacity. I went to him for some advice, like where would I start? Like I wouldn't even know where to start, and he kind of like, re- you know, he totally broke down my whole, my my like total amateur thing that I was going into it with, and he was like approach it gave me all these ideas about how to do it really properly and i was kind of like wow it's kind of overwhelming but i was kind of seeing how i could get off the ground and then a couple of weeks went by and he called me and said i want to do this with you let me know what you think like i want to be i want to be a partner i want to go in with this get in on this venture with you and i sort of was like oh let me give the weekend let me have the weekend to think about it and i was like 
oh my god like i totally need to say yes to this guy this is amazing like for those that don't know um thorpey as he's known is probably probably one of the most like revered handmade pedal people in the uk probably the most i'd say he's i'm biased but he's the most important probably most successful handmade pedal guy in in the uk so for him to say do you want to partner up i'm like hell yeah i do like this is i couldn't be in a better position to like start start a company doing all that so he has a really amazing engineering background he's ex-military used to work as ex-bomb disposal he's really like got sick attention to detail as you can imagine um and his pedals are amazing they're like like bomb proof and really well designed and they're really successful like globally so it's kind of like how do we go about making our own thing that doesn't like tread on their toes like their you know their the the, the intellectual property of their toes sort of sort of thing but have our own thing going on but you know ride the wave of like the 4p thing so we you know that was kind of like a lot of us spitballing ideas and brainstorming back and forth for a couple of months. And then we came up with a name and came up with a concept for some pedal designs. And we, I came up with a look of things and we designed our own enclosure, that kind of thing. Cause what my understanding of like how you make pedals is you buy a load of Hammond enclosures, you put, you buy a load of guts, you make it all, you put it all together, paint it a pretty color and boom. You've got like, well, I didn't really think how could you, I wouldn't have known where to go, who to call or how to go about doing anything at scale. Do you know what I mean? In my mind, I was like, sure, I could knock out 20 pedals. Of course. Yeah, I, rec- I could do that. I've, I've made one before, like from a kit and I had a solder, um, but I wouldn't know where, like, where do you go to like, it's like that scene in, um, in Almost Famous where that manager comes in to replace the manager. He's like, I know how you don't get paid charged like for the ice at like Madison square garden or whatever it is like that kind of thing. And it's just like someone coming in and going, this is how you do it properly. And I was like, uh, yeah, mind blown. And that was like a few years ago. And we've just, we've grown from strength to strength really in the past uh, three years. We launched in, we actually launched in um, September, 2019 with our first pedal, which was called the red mist mark four which is kind of like a play on the Star Wars thing where it's like episode four is like the first one, you know, it's like there's been three that no no one's ever seen or heard. Um, And the Red Mist was kind of like this gnarly, high gain, um, really powerful EQ, active EQ, like three band EQ distortion pedal. It kind of, the idea was it kind of can turn like a Fender, fender blues deluxe or whatever into like an orange rocker verb you know what i mean like it makes it sound really like big bottom end really tight high gain kind of like riff monster machine kind of thing if that's if that's your jam which you know it is for me and that pedal was kind of born out of a necessity of like when i do a load of touring when i do touring and you go to europe as you'll know like you get stuck with certain types of backline that doesn't do your thing and so you need like a swiss army like knife bag of tricks to kind of plug something in and spice an amp up and i was kind of like i've never really been into tube screamers or you know a rap pedal is sometimes too much that kind of thing. you just need like a pedal which is kind of one pedal does can do a thing to any kind of amp and that the red mist was kind of like ticking that box too um yeah we launched that in, sept- in september 2019 and then we made the slightly premature decision to go to nam in 2020 I say premature just because, you know, 
it was totally awesome and i would i totally can't wait to go back there again but not many companies launch and then three months later they're like we're going to nam <laughs> but we just did it we were like screw it we're gonna we're gonna put the money into it we're gonna do it and i'm really stoked we did because we launched our second product at nam which was um the honey badger octave fuzz which is like this really killer fuzz with it's got two separate octaves down that are like blendable and foot switchable so it's a bit like the blue box but actually usable like the the volumes it's got tons of headroom so it gets really loud like there's it's got lots lots of usable settings but it's got a similar kind of glitchy analog weird tracking vibe that the blue box does a bit that's that's probably something i could compare it to the most but it's still quite different yeah the blue box has like no controls it's just (laughs) the blue box has no controls and the only usable setting is with everything kind of maxed out anything less and it's like it sucks the volume off your original tone and it's like you know they've never really changed the design but with with ours it's like we try to at least have you know midday ish on the volume knob is like that's like your true bypass kind of setting and then anything above that is like a you know a riot so you know the honey badger will like blow an amp up if you let it um and yeah and then we obviously released our most recent product just a couple of weeks ago which we can get into but that's kind of where we're at right now i you know it's been a wild ride of getting the company together launching have lo- having some really good success with the, our our initial products and then growing it you know during a pandemic during a global pandemic it's been pretty pretty crazy pretty wild so launching this you know again very recent right before you went to nam was was that was january 2020 Mm -hmm. so everything in the industry right now is kind of through the roof in terms of people you know revisiting guitar because of the pandemic Mm -hmm. at home you know playing etc um has that really helped uh your sales yeah, it certainly didn't hurt one bit, like people being stuck at home with their instruments. You know, our our stuff's been steady. Obviously, like we were just, we, we stepped onto like the world stage in January. And then two months later, the sort of the world kind of closes its doors. I think uh, we we met a ton, we gained a ton of dealers, new dealers at NAM, which was sort of one of the goals of being there, which was great. So, we you know, we 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 stock stuff over all around the world now. Um, some of those dealers like at the beginning of the pandemic kind of put some orders like on the back burner, they were like, we'll come back to you, which was kind of like, that was, that was a bit of a challenge just because we'd, we'd committed to making stock for certain amounts of stuff. And then some orders were like kind of frozen in time for a minute, but you know, direct sales and things like that and selling elsewhere, we sort of, it's been okay. We've been, we've been fine with it. And yeah, we've, we just started working with a distributor in the USA uh, in the last in the last few months, which well they they distribute globally, but they're based in the USA, um, and that's sort of really blown the lid off things for us. You know, stuff's kind of everywhere now. We saw on your website that somebody we know is carrying your pedals. Uh, we interviewed uh, Jerry from Pedals I Love You here once. Oh, that's you know so him? cool! Yeah. That's so cool! Oh, yeah, yeah, Pedals I Love You are one of our newest dealers. Actually, they just come on yeah. board. That's so cool! Yeah, they just picked picks up their um. Whereabouts in the st- they're in the states, right? They're in New York, right? Yeah, he's in Brooklyn. He probably lives like two miles from me. That's right, but it's like an online only thing. Is that right? Correct. Amazing, yeah. But he does free delivery within the city. That's like his uh, his spiel, which is pretty cool. So he'll like, if you order one of your if you order one of your pedals, he'll literally get uh, drive over a bike over to your house that day and give it to you. Oh my god, that's so sick! 
<laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> like Amazon Prime for pedals. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much pretty much what he's trying to do. So, I, yeah, we interviewed him because we thought that was such a cool business model for like New York City. You know, that is so cool. Like, I want a pedal. I can't wait till next week. I want it today. Well, yeah. I'm coming. Just it's like a kind of like a drug dealer for pedals. Like, where do you want pretty me to drop much, this off? Man. <laughs> got the, he's got the backpack, you know, and he's like, yeah. "All right, here you go." That's so cool. That is I mean, so New York cool. is big with like delivery, like everything. You yeah, know, I'm probably yeah. London too, but New York, it's like you can get anything delivered to, like anything. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Like I, I moved out of um out of the city for a couple of years a few years ago, and it was like a ghetto for anything. Not no decent food. No decent anything. It was just like a, dra- a real drag. But then I moved back to sort of Brighton, and yeah, like food and stuff like that is just killer. Like you can get anything you want, you know. Which is, you're, I'm kind of spoiled now. I'm going between like London and Brighton. It's like anything you can possibly imagine is only like a few f- a phone call or a few clicks away. Include, but not pedals. Not pedals. Sadly, yeah. I think, <laughs> that's a really great business model. I think someone needs to do that in London. Be like the pedal person be like the bike the pedal biker person just rocks up at your doorstep with a with a red beard effects pedal i like that idea <laughs> yeah man that day you know you're in the studio you're not getting that sound that you need yeah you're like i don't know i think that honey badger you know <laughs> i think we need it over here yeah i, I, I heard gonna... this guy on sonic artifacts we got to get that pedal <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go well, you heard it here first you're gonna see me on my bike with a backpack full of yeah. like <laughs> red beard stuff that I'm like, yeah, yeah. I got you. Like being out of breath, yeah. like delivering it to your door. Yeah. No, Jerry said he'll be, he'll meet you at the airport if you need it. Like he was, he's hardcore. Like, wow. That's you know, so cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you going abroad? So, Are you playing guitar? Have you forgotten your boss metal exactly. zone? I got you covered. Yeah, yeah. I'll land at JFK. We'll time it up, you know, make sure, you know, <laughs> I love it. that's such a cool business model. I didn't realize they did that. Yeah, because they came on board recently and I saw they were online, online only. Because it's, you know, with dealers being, having multiple dealers in the same locale, you've got to be careful that you're not, like, putting someone's nose out of joint because, you know, we, we carry, uh, we have pedals at um, uh, 30th Street Guitars in New York, for example. A good friend of mine runs that place. Um, and so, yeah, you want to be, yeah, it's always like, you want, you want to, you want, obviously, you want to sort of sell things as, as uh, widespread as possible but at the same time you want to look after your dealers and make sure that they have some exclusivity in their area and that kind of thing so um but the whole like pe- the delivery like same day delivery that's sick that is like untested that is so cool and that must be like if he's on his bike that must be like great exercise you know <laughs> yeah yeah too. he said he borrows his girlfriend's car sometimes if he can so uh, okay <laughs> if the weather's crap or whatever yeah fair enough yeah, yeah, yeah. i would totally be doing that I nearly like I ride my bike around Brighton and I'm almost always getting hit by a bus or something. So I'd totally be like, well, maybe I could get the bus. I'll bus it over to, with the uh, honey badger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go, man. No, that's it's great. So, um, so you, did you start building pedals yourself? Like you said, as a hobbyist, you built some kits. Like, how does this, cause this is a big leap and he's obviously getting, you know, connected with Thorpe is like, you're getting right in the main line of how this right. whole thing goes down, scaling up. Right. Totally. Like I, I, I was always, I'm kind of like one of those controlling, meddling, fiddling types who's like, I've always been quite aware of how my gear works. And I've never been, I've always been taking stuff to pieces to figure out how it works. Like, it doesn't mean I necessarily know how it works, but from when I was a kid, like my dad was, um, 
my dad was uh, in the air force as an electronic engineer so when i was a kid he taught me how to solder and he was always fixing stuff and i kind of have that i guess i kind of inherited that thing like either genetically or just learning like if something's broken chances are i'll have a go at fixing it like i you know i might not necessarily be able to but i'm always up for taking stuff to bits breaking it and figuring out how, how to make it work again um and yeah i made a few pedals from kits like when i was coming up um you know back in the 90s where it was like there was like you know you had a boss sd1 and a crybaby and that was your pedal board like i think i made a wah like i had a bought a kit that was a wah and it was in this really crappy enclosure um when i was a kid and i uh, i I, I made a few kits over the years that um, learn, you know, what not to do, how to break stuff, like how to melt components. Well, don't do that again. Learning by doing. Um, and I hadn't done that for a while, but I was always making cables, always in the back of like um, my guitar rig, and always I was always DIYing stuff. Um, like one of the guys I follow online is this guy Mike Vegas, who runs um, Nice Rack Canada. And all he, he makes like rigs for big deal artists. He was a touring guitar tech for a long time, and some of his his work is like immaculate and incredible. And if you're like in any way kind of got like obsessive tendencies with tidiness and like right angles, it's like his cabling is just like it's like porn, you know. And so yeah. <laughs> that like that kind of thing, like I like strive to even be on the same page as doing that. So like the back of my my guitar rig is like an ode to wanting to be like that and really neat and tidy and every cable's like perfect and all that kind of like, I put way more time into doing that than playing like that. You know, I, I spend more time devising a, like a signal flow than I do practicing the actual guitar, which is, you know, just, that's just the truth. I'll be honest with you. Um, but so I've always had a soldering iron out, always been like in the mix with that. And then, like you said, like it was a big jump to getting into making pedals. I just had to basically roll my sleeves up and get in the mix because Thorpe effects has a number of employees that you know do various jobs including that kind of thing and i kind of had to prove myself that i could like not screw up our stuff i i, I actually did some soldering for Thorpe and Thorpe effects also to kind of say i can do this i'm not you know i'm able to do it um and so basically when the biggest thing i think was when in this year when we released our last products which we'll talk about Thorpey was releasing a pedal at the same time. All all his staff were all hands on deck to release this pedal, the Pulse Doppler that they've just put out, which is this incredible phaser, which is a very complex build. And um, and his wife Georgia, who's also his business partner with Thorpey Effects, uh, was just about to give birth to their um, to their son, who's who's now arrived, and that's all happening. But back in May, she was just about ready to give birth, and so it fell to me to basically put together the entire first run of um the angry rhubarb which is our last pedal we just put out so i was that like sat making like 150 of these things from scratch like i made a bunch of stuff last year too like um various elements of our other products but it was more of like make 10 of these do 20 of these like you know pet more paste um, and I've always been had my I've always been active in putting stuff together, but to the actual run of Angry Rubos we've just done, yeah, were all made by me, like every bit of it, which is um, which was a lot of work. I did that, um, did that, and made a bunch of Thorpey stuff as well over the course of about three weeks. Made about 175 pedals, I think, in, um, in three weeks. In like three weeks, yeah, something like that. Maybe maybe a month, but it was 
yeah it was super That's tight intense. yeah but it was cool i'd i'd love the work actually i you know sad to say i love the i find it quite meditative you know just having like a set of processes that you have to go through repeat 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 i actually really enjoy the work my, my problem is like my home setup is kind of like you have to be really careful when you're making these things because the, the littlest dent or the littlest like slip and you've bruised an enclosure or like scratched it and you know then it's become something which is you don't you can't you can't sell as like a pristine product so the, that's the biggest thing is more like just taking good care of all the external parts obviously like they're not going to break but they have to look aesthetically perfect like you you know you can't sell something that's got a scratch on it or a dent in it as a as a you have to sell it as like a blemished product or whatever which we don't do we typically like keep those and we'll you know make videos with them or keep them around as demo units that kind of thing so that was that's kind of the biggest challenge is like not messing up your own stock is not like because i've got like a i've got a daughter who's like just turned five and she always wants to help she always wants to get stuck in and be like oh, oh can i help you make pedals i'm like no <laughs> no, i wanted to help man but i'm like no in fact get out of the room <laughs> yeah like like i, I want to i'd love her to get stuck in and be helpful but it's like these things you know literally are like you've done one of these and it's like it's no longer you can't sell it really like you can't sell it for what it's what you're supposed to so yeah that's just uh one of the joys of doing it at a businessy level is just being really gentle and being really careful with all your stock that's one thing you have to learn quite quickly yeah because i mean you're building at home it doesn't really you know you put a scratch on you're like i don't care i'm gonna step on this thing but yeah yeah you, you know someone you get to send and then someone in the mail that's not gonna have the same effect no exactly like my one all my all my ones all my red beer pedals that i use like they're battered you know because they get used like they're not pristine none of my stuff is pristine i can't keep stuff pristine like i'm not a like a prs guy i'm like a bashed up like bolt on fender kind of person you know and mm. stuff gets dragged around stuff gets beaten up it gets used it gets hit it gets dropped it's stood on gets beer poured on it you know it has to has to last it has to stand up to it but when you're as a product you know when you're selling something to a customer it has to be perfect and so keeping things perfect is a challenge because especially in a in an unconventional environment like making stuff at home you know which is how how all businesses start out really you know we we do stuff we do a lot of our stuff at thorpe hq where we have a unit where we work out of but certain times of the year when there's lots of work to get done i will take stuff home and do it there basically and your daughter does not help you out <laughs> to be clear. that's that's she my does not help you. that's the official <laughs> response that's like the official blurb i'm putting out there's no child labor. <laughs> well, yeah. If anyone does receive a red beard pedal that's got like, I don't know, like Barbie stickers in it, like, or like, you know, a unicorn sticker like hidden in it, then that's why. That's why. I'm not saying you should open up and find out, but if she has done that, it wasn't anything to do with me. It's a possibility. It could have happened. No, it's a little Easter egg, you know? Be nice. Yeah. Yeah. We should do that. <laughs> like a limited run. We should do a pedal, like maybe a unicorn vibe pedal or something, you know? that would be quite cool that'd be pretty cool yeah but the last one we did as well was like bright pink like hot pink candy pink colored enclosure so she was like oh what's this i was like never mind hands yeah. off <laughs> hands like off. this is this is not for you 
It's got like two. It's got a bunch of bright pink knobs on it, and it's got a pink enclosure. And she was all about it, so I was like, I had to keep her well away from all those. <laughs> she was all about it. So tell us about your new product, man. Okay, yeah. So the new product is called um, the Angry Rhubarb Paradynamic Overdrive Mark II pedal. Again, it's like the Mark One was one that me and Thorpey kind of he came to me with a design for this pedal and I kind of like was like change this make this this and I think he was just like oh whatever and like went away did nothing came back and like presented I was like oh yeah that's better because I felt like I had a say in it you know <laughs> I think, no, I, no we, we changed a few things about it um and then we sort of settled on this little mark ii model which is it's basically most most things with overdrives are fine like people some people prefer having overdrive that happens before an eq some people like prefer the idea of of a gain like a gain stage happening after an eq and we were like well why can't we do both where there's like a gain stage either side of an eq in a pedal so you've kind of got like pre-gain and post-gain kind of like an amp really and what what if we made that eq in the middle made it like parametric so it was like you can pinch a, a specific frequency and either like boost or cut it actively. Like, and that's the, that was the premise for the angry rhubarb. So you basically got pre-drive, um, a, a one band kind of parametric EQ circuit. It's not truly parametric because it doesn't have a Q control. I will add that, but you know, trying to explain that in a title of a pedal is really difficult, which is why we called it paradynamic. Cause it was like, it's sort of, you know, it, it responds to the dynamics of your playing as well as a pedal. But you can basically grab any frequency between 80 hertz up to like 4K and boost that or cut that by 6 dB. And then it's got like another uh, gain stage after it. So it's kind of five knobs, all kinds of fun. And it does, it'll do like really obvious things like coctoir sounds. Like you can grab those kind of like upper mids, which are like really nasal. It'll do the, do all that stuff straight off the bat, but it will do like when you dig into it more, it'll do kind of really cool Queens of the Stone Age kind of tones and it'll do like full on martial sound. It'll you can make it sound like a clon, you can make it sound like a more glassy, um, fendery kind of when you scoop the mid out a bit, you can do that kind of six L six fender amp tone with it. It's really versatile, it's really fun. It's my favorite pedal we've done. And it's I think most people are saying this is the best thing you guys have done so far, which is great. You know, it's been phenomenally successful for us. Put the first run out um, week before last. I want to say June 9th, June 8th, June 7th. It was, you know, first week of June, put them all out, sold them in two days. They were all gone. So that was like, what? I couldn't really believe it. It was unexpected awesomeness. So they're either out with... Yeah, they're either out with customers or dealers. Like every single one of them's gone, which was a really cool problem to have is now I have to come up with a load more because people are like messaging and, you know, we're having, we're in the middle of making the second run like straight away, which is not something I would expected to be doing. I was going to say, are you making these ones yourself too? Um, I will be making uh, a quantity of them. Yeah. Thankfully, I think because the, the, the way we work it with uh, Thorpe, they got all their pulse Dopplers over the line. And so, you know, the labor there is sort of freed up to do a bit more, bit more red beard stuff as and when required but there's things like there's like a well we'll have like a supply chain thing where we're waiting on 
various things to be able to do and like we'll be waiting on enclosures to arrive that we had ordered or like the globally there's a problem there's some problems with like certain kinds of knobs that no one can get their hands on at quantity little things like that which is you know proves to be an irritating production stopper like there's a worldwide um difficulty getting hold of uh chips at the moment like silicon based chips because of the processing plants that are making that stuff of a lot of them are closed during you know due to pandemic stuff so even things like um like sports cars or like bmws like couldn't get a particular car over the line because they're lacking the chips so things like that is kind of we're just we're just playing upkeep to you know playing catch-up sorry to um to like problems like that that everybody has but yeah they're coming and we're making them and I'm hoping that the second run should be ready to ship by the end of this month, like in the next couple of weeks, I would have thought. Awesome. By the time the show comes out. So that'd oh, well, be yeah, there you go. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice That's timing. perfect. <laughs> yeah. And I like how you sell, uh, you sell beard oil as well. On your website. We do. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, it was a kind of funny thing where again, it wasn't necessarily a, an idea either of us I had that like well we should totally do that it just sort of happened where a friend of mine who's been a massive supporter of mine for quite a long time uh john jackson who runs uh broadbeard oils up in scotland um he makes he makes really cool stuff and i use it all i use it all the time and i basically approached him and said would you be up for doing like a promotional kind of item that we can sell and you can sell and it just you know it's like you, I wouldn't know how to begin making beard oil again. So it was like, why don't we just approach someone who does this, get them to do it, and you know, we'll it'll be mutually beneficial for one another. And sure enough, he made this really great smelling beard oil, and we branded it, and um, yeah, it, it really took off. Like we, like we both sold loads of them, and and we continued to make it because we thought we'd just do a run of it, but we sold all of them, and then we, well, it's something we we sell all the time, which is totally wild and it may, it's totally blew the lid off other things we could we could make like you know all our pedals come in like a coffee bag inside the box um so we've got these made to measure coffee bags that are like stamped with our logo and stuff it's kind of just a cool packaging thing stop it just takes the edge of it rattling around in the box you know what i mean it's like a lot of people use like those bags like those kind of drawstring cloth bags which we were kind of like well oh, they're really expensive i'm not gonna do that or people will be like rapid uh, pedaling tissue and it looks really nice the first time you open it. But then if you go to a dealer and they open it up for a customer, try it out, you, it never looks the same again. And it kind of looks a bit beat up. So we're like, don't want to do that. So we we, we uh, got these coffee bags made and lot, what, what I'm driving at is that we were considering actually selling coffee at one point just to see like, yeah. to, to, <laughs> to get our own like red beard um, run of coffee. But, um, but yeah, we haven't done that yet. But it's, it does make you think about other things you could put a logo on and um and and say this is red beard so and so yeah it's a great cross promotional thing because I, I mean i was seeing that i was like how oh, that's like a whole other industry to like tap into like you said it makes way more sense to reach out to someone who's already doing it and then they can you know it brings awareness to their brand and yours yeah totally and john's like really cool dude and he's got a humongous amazing beard and all his like he's got this like crew this like posse of dudes who like look like proper vikings they look like the the real deal they're like legit and i'm like over here with this like little thing and these guys are like they have beards that are like a person 
You know what I mean? And they're carrying <laughs> it around. Like those guys need oil. Like I'm just like a bit of a tart. I just put a bit on because it smells nice. These guys have these like mains that they have to control. But yeah, like they made us this really cool beard oil. And it's just another cool little thing to, that people like sometimes throw in a shopping cart, like for the hairy person in their life, which is cool. I'm constantly like coming up with like shirt ideas and stuff and adding other merchy items to the store to to just like think what else could we do just cool ideas we sort of uh dip our toe in the water of fun different things to to put our our face on <laughs> no nah, that's great man that's really cool i mean the coffee thing's another angle i mean that's like in between the gear and coffee those are two addictions you can tap into really yeah <laughs> you know exactly in terms of an audience well that's it i like, mean thorpe are both really into coffee so um it might be something that we do it's just i guess you're kind of like you don't want to do you don't want to do anything like crap you know what i mean you want it to do it right and it's like i don't want to be like arrogant enough to be like oh that can't be that hard whereas like there's a lot to it and you don't want to sell some like second rate product you want it to be like you are i we're both like we either want to do it properly or we don't want to do it at all and so rather than like get it wrong and put out like a weird beard oil like i was like let's approach the guy who does that you know so i don't know maybe maybe one day we'll do a coffee and it'll be a, a limited edition thing maybe it's something we do like at a trade show like when we go to nam like we'll have a, a, a load of it right. and like and sell you know that kind of thing like give it away i don't know something just to something cool you can put your logo on that people can go oh red beard coffee beans delicious <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure it's better than the hotel coffee uh, at these, uh, you know, the conventions if, if you know people buy yeah. it there. Yeah, it has to be. It has to be. Were you guys at Nam at all? Did you guys go last time it was a no. thing? Or? we weren't okay. around then, were we? No, I don't think so. No, okay. I mean we just started the show. No, we weren't around then. We started. Um, when did you know, we like, start? January. Yeah, or the first week in January of wow. twenty. Yeah, twenty twenty one. So okay. you know, we weren't around then. Okay. Wow. Well. But yeah, we'd love to hear your experience with Nam. Um, just like overall, have you been there before? Like, you know, obviously you're under the roof of like everybody that's happened in the industry at that moment. So that must be pretty exciting. It was wild. I mean, I, as a guitar player, I've always wanted to go to Nam, uh, and it was actually my first time going. I'm endorsed by a couple of really cool companies that were always sort of threatening to take me over there. But for one reason or another, that time of year, we were always doing something, which was weird. Like, I think the year before I found myself in Russia when we was, you know, when there was talk about going to Nam. Well, my band's pretty relentless and we're always doing something. And even if we weren't touring, it'd be like, well, we need to be together and writing or something. So one reason or another, it never happened. And then, you know, luckily starting a company was my total excuse to go. So, um, again, it was really cool to go with Thorpey and the gang. And we sort of, we, we had, we had a big booth that we split into two. And did the two things and we were in with all the effects people which was kind of cool um i didn't really have a chance to walk around too much like other than to go out and um smoke a cigarette which i was i don't smoke anymore but i was smoking at the time i would be out smoking cigarettes and that kind of thing um walking around that hall seeing all the other companies um but it's kind of like it reminded me of like a bit like a music festival where you see friends that you haven't seen for years and that kind of thing because i've been around a long time you know and a bit of a dinosaur um in the in the gear world i know loads of people i've worked with loads of companies and just being in one place with all your mates is just a cool thing you know it's it's tiring and it's like loud and crazy uh and all those things but yeah, it was an amazing experience um just to meet you know meet 
people stateside, meet people from all over the world who like were excited about what you were doing. Yeah, and I love the US. I love, um, you know, I love the, the West Coast as well. So it was just great to be back over there. Hadn't been over there for a minute. So I had a really great time. Um, and I was really bummed out not to be able to go back there uh, this time around, you know. And I'm hoping that it comes back soon that we can all get back together and do that. I just had my second vaccine today. So I'm like, I like I've just had my text from Bill Gates and the five G's rocking <laughs> and yeah, I'm ready to go. Like Skynet's going to be taken over anytime soon. Yeah. So I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I'm doing my part so we can all get back to it. I would love to go to now. I've never been. Oh, you should, you should totally do it. You, um, yeah. you'd have a lot of content, you know what I mean? You would be absolutely inundated with, you know, even just getting a quick five minute thing with any of the companies that you want to talk to, you would have so much, you could get like a, like a four hour long show out of it. You know, there's so much and people are, I think, happy to talk about what they got going on. And I, you know, I just saw the guitar end of things. Like I, I think when it was the day when we were packing up, for some reason I had to walk through the drum world and it was like, Jesus, like this, there's like a drum land that is, you know, the size of Croydon, <laughs> the size of like, it's, it's so much drum stuff. You can't even begin. Like, I don't even think about drums. Yeah. No, and that's just that. And then there's like, you know, you, before you even get into like pianos or like PAs, like, you know, pro audio, Jeez, that kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> I mean, that wow. stuff takes up room, you know, and it's like, that yeah. has a whole dedicated hall just for PA stuff, mixing desks, speakers, like that kind of thing. Stuff that you don't think about that just exists, that has a whole industry that you don't think about. Like I'm just uh, guitars. Like you think about how just how big guitars is. It's absolutely huge, you know, and I didn't even get a chance to look around. I didn't get a chance to see Fender. I didn't get a chance to see Gibson. I didn't get a chance to see any of that stuff. I was kind of stuck on the hall we were at. I saw whenever to like the Boss Roland world on the last day to return a bit of gear we'd borrowed. And yeah, they had a whole really cool, those big brands have the really cool setups, like where they put money into it and it all looks really cool. But ours was pretty ghetto. You know, we had a couple of signs. We threw up like a little backdrop and stuff. It was kind of punk rock, which I like. I would have loved to, I'd love to go there as a punter as like a, you know, to look around properly and see what all the, all the big brands are doing. Um, maybe next time, but it was kind of, it was just me and, and Thorpe and his wife doing the whole thing. So we were kind of taking it in turns. I was either going to pee or going for a cigarette or, uh, you know, working, 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 hustling, but it was great. I can't wait to get back to it. Uh, just curious. What, do, what's your usual setup for your band? What do you play? Okay, so I use orange amplifiers. I've used those for about, well, over 10 years now. I use like two orange rocker verbs, like Mark, the Mark 300 watt ones. They're really hench. Um, orange 4x12s and a whole bunch of different effects and stuff like that, typically, uh, including my own stuff, which is really cool. The things that have like, lived on my pedal board for a while are things like a Space Echo pedal um like a digitech whammy i've used forever because just for doing weird stuff in songs like octavi stuff big fan of big fan of delays and octavi sounds and obviously like love distortion and drive and that kind of thing so yeah just uh the pedal board's pretty it used to be huge and have loads of stuff but just from a touring point of view it kind of got scaled down and scaled down and scaled down i have a more stripped back kind of pedal board setting now where it's just i've only ever been a few a few pedals in front of an amp kind of person um guitar wise i use i have a signature guitar with manson's actually which is a british company they make guitars for matt bellamy of muse um and he has like the kind of 
like the space age guitar stuff where like they have like it has like a midi thing in it and like all kinds of tricks and toys i don't have any of that stuff i just have like pickup selector click click <laughs> i'm like mm-hmm. my, my guitar is really basic but it's kind of it's one of their body shapes that they use it's kind of telly ish um my guitar is like the the brief was uh, like a, like when i was coming up i loved keith richards like guys like that like swagger kind of guys and i loved that black telly um custom that keith richards had you know the big scratch plate and like yep, the yep. the big the humbucker in the neck and the les paul kind of knobs that kind of thing and i was like i want to i want that guitar but kind of like modern like a mod a trade off on that like a, it doesn't have to be like vintagey like i want it if that was take a take a step into like high tech mode but then take a step back out of it i don't want it to look like a space age guitar but i just want it to be modern and so my signature guitar is kind of like that it's called the md2 the md1 and the md2 by manson and it's kind of that that vibe it's kind of telly uh, telly custom ish but it's um in a couple of cool colors and with some cool hardware that kind of thing yeah i just looked it up i see what you're talking about it definitely has a telly vibe but some kind of modern twist to it yeah and i like because i play like for my thing for my band what i do is kind of like often detuned often um like gainier sound side of things like the bridge pickup is like a dual rails like mini humbucker kind of thing like a single core size humbucker that kind of thing so it's kind of it's like i like a ceramic pickup in the bridge so it's kind of got this raucous kind of like edgy honky vibe just kind of flat out uh that's that's my main guitar that I've been using for like the last four or five years. I've still got the prototype of that one that I, that I play every, every day. That's my number one. Um, and yeah, that, so those we use that I use those, those guitars by Manson. I use, uh, orange rock of herbs and I also use Rotosound strings as well. Like I have, a, I have a signature set with Rotosound as well, believe it or not. I have a, a set of, um, they're called MD 10 and they're like 10 to 54. So they're like for, like really cool for drop tunings and stuff like that. Like, but without being stupidly big, I play in drop C a lot of the time, and um, they kind of do that thing quite well. Yeah, I do drop C sometimes, but it's it's pretty funny. Like I do, I tune like standard tuning, but then I just tune the low E all the way to C. Oh, okay, cool. It's it's pretty. It, you know, it just it makes you trip out a little bit because you got to like reverse some of some things, like the shape of chords. But it's pretty neat. But mm-hmm. I've never tuned all the way down to C. I, I'm like kind of scared that I'll mess up my yeah, guitar. <laughs> but, well, yeah, it's like D standard, but then you drop the bottom one to C. So it's like yeah. everything's down a step, and then you drop the the big string. So it's not like brutally low. It's just a tuning that works really well for our singer's voice, and it's a happy place for that to work. And it sounds a bit like heavier than I don't know. Whenever I, go, I play anything in standard or drop D now, it just sounds too happy, and it just sounds too like too whimsical it's weird i even i don't know how people do it like tom morello plays a cool riff in drop d and it sounds like this is badass but then when i try and do it in drop d it's like sounds like like just sounds like a joke (laughs) i'm kind of like my ears so tuned to like things being a little bit lower that it's like it's got a bit of a meaner edge to it like for some stuff like i know like like you know josh homie plays a lot of stuff in drop c as well that kind of that lower like gurgly sounding stuff and it's not that the guitar is like super built for like low tunings or anything I'm, i'd rather like push a guitar to its limits of its ability than like i don't really like 
never really got on board with like seven string stuff or I don't like those amps that have like speakers that can handle infinite headroom. You know, I like, I like an amp, an amp that breaks up and a speaker that breaks up and, you know, a guitar that kind of is on the edge of what it can do versus something that's, that's totally catered to like this thing can go to 11, you know, I'm not a big fan of like active pickups or anything like that. It's not, I've never got on board with it. It's just too much monkey business. I think. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. You're like, Oh, my battery ran out on my guitar. You know, <laughs> like I just never got, I just never found one that I like the sound of. I don't know. I feel like those EMG things. It's like, they make every one sound the same, you know, like, like, I don't know that loads of guys use them, but I'm just, you know, loads of people use them, but, um, I just, they make every guitar sound like now it has EMGs in. I'm like, I don't know. It doesn't do it for me so much. I'll be really, I know I'll be putting loads of people's nose out of joint saying that. You'll be like, you don't know what you're talking about, man. Like, no, probably not. Probably, probably not. (laughs) It's just my opinion. Yeah. If you don't like it, you don't like it. You know, I mean, that's the whole thing. There's a lot of choices out there. Well, I haven't tried a lot of stuff. I'll be honest. Like I'm, I think this is the thing, like I'm left-handed. So I had a, I had a, like a custom shop strap built for me like a few years ago, about 10 years ago. And they were like, Oh, what, what sort of neck do you want on it? I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, you know, <laughs> lefty, lefty, man. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, well, do you like a 60, do you like a 52 or a 59 or a 61 or a 63 or a 60? Like, What's your pre- preference of strap neck? I'm like, Dude, I've played a squire. Do you know what I mean? Like I've played yeah. like a spent <laughs> squire. They don't. You don't. You don't get your hands on things like that when you're left-handed. It's just like things that other people. You're like, does it have the knobs at the right end? Yeah. Is it? I'm into it. Like, is it oh, strung upside down? It's no. I'm. Is it are the knobs on the right side? Am I going to be brushing the knobs with my wrist when I play? No. It sounds perfect. So you kind of, as a lefty, you kind of make do a lot of the time not so much these days but definitely when you're like you know 10 20 years ago when i was learning you know learning to play um didn't have the options and stuff like that and like even now i couldn't tell you the i couldn't tell you the subtleties the nuances between like a 61 telly neck and a 63 telly neck i couldn't tell you i don't know i don't know i i don't know if there are any differences it's kind of like that that stuff i'm like i don't know so if i'd ever played a guitar with active pickups in it would have been one I'd made myself like I would have got a guitar taken it to pieces put pickups in it and gone yes this is the the vibe for me or no this is not the vibe for me and I did that in the early 2000s I had some EMGs put them in a Les Paul I was like meh it's okay and then just never went back to it simple as that and I've never tried anything active since I don't think so I'm kind of like I'm yet to be convinced by the, those kind of things like I, I, I like the sound of. Um, I really like the Seymour Junk, Seymour Duncan JB as a humbucker. It's a cool humbucker. I really like, um, you know, certain hot rails in a telly sounded good, which is what my pickups are built sort of semi based on in my in my signature guitar for doing like the high gain distorted kind of riffy thing. But you know, my favorite guitar is one of the my one of my favorites is like an ES three 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 five that I have that has like total stock gibson just pafs in it and it just sounds really nice but it doesn't it doesn't do like the distorted the june thing you know so i don't know i'm not i'm not gonna i feel like i'm really bashing uh active pickups here. i'm not i'm not it's <laughs> all right you're not a pickup builder it's all good it's a different field anyway you know it's your personal preference as yeah. well you know 
exactly i've yet to be convinced i'm happy to be convinced someone send me some active pickups that i'm like these are the ones i haven't heard them yet yeah it's like prove it man you know yeah <laughs> prove me wrong i'm that meme guy i'm like active pickups suck prove me wrong yeah. <laughs> change my mind <laughs> we just interviewed this guy uh uh, a little thunder pickups. His mm-hmm. pickups are insane. They, it's sound. It's like they include. He has a an octave lower. It, it sounds like a bassist is playing with you. Wow. It's you should look it up online. It's really wild. Like I when I heard it, I, it's crazy. It's when I heard what it was, I thought it would sound stupid, but then it sounds fantastic. Billy Gibbons actually plays it. Yeah, it's got a stereo split out, so you can send it to a bass amp and then send it to guitar amp, and it double and it does a double octave down for the top three strings on your guitar. Um, that sounds pretty natural. And I don't remember Brian, but I'm assuming they're active. <laughs> like that right? really- there's like yeah. wild <laughs> stuff going on inside that pickup. I don't know. Yeah, You're yeah. I found it. Upgrades. I found it. It's got it's got like LEDs in it. I'm into it already. It's got like a bright. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, LED. there's like you can adjust effects like from your. You know, phone. It's, it's yeah, touch sensitive. Like, yeah, I think there's like a phone app that he's developing. Yeah, it's wild. So where do you, I can't find where to actually buy them. Hold on a second. Do they have a website? Yeah. Okay. A little yeah, Sunday. Yeah, yeah, I got it. I got it. Yeah. I got it. I got it. Yeah. Cool. All right. I'm going to check that out later. Thanks for the tip. Yeah, check out those like, videos. Yeah, it's, it's really wild. I like the sound of it. That's really cool. That's really cool. And it's difficult to make new products, like something that's not been done before or to even like outdo an existing product. To come up with something like that's a really simple idea, but I don't know how it works. But the the premise is like I want to make a pe- a pickup that sounds like you've got an octave lower playing at the same time, and that's genius. How do you even begin to do that? So that's really cool, really smart. I'm going to have a look into it. Yeah, he's a super smart guy, actually. I think you'd have to be. Yeah, he was was talking way over my head. <laughs> pickup, pickups are so simple. It's a magnet with wire around it. Like, well, that's it. Right. And it's like, how do you continue to advance the field of you know pickups it's really clever when people come up with a total game-changing thing like that you know very smart i'll be checking i mean the same thing can can be said with pedals as well obviously there's a massive pedal market um i mean obviously you said there was a a challenge even with the thorpey effects how do we do something that's not kind of just tacking on to what they're doing um what was your main approach or goal from that i guess like I guess we were looking at the kind of uh, pedals they had and and thinking, well, what could we do differently, you know? It, it, looking at, like, Thorpey Effects as a competitor even and being like, well, we don't want to tread on anyone's toes. Like, I guess the biggest, my, my three biggest, um, like, influences, if you like, in the pedal community were, like, I really liked the, like the Moog stuff. I really like um, Way Huge obviously love the earthquake the earthquake stuff and i just wanted to like use those as a kind of reference point of like well in terms of it's weird it's a bit like they do different stuff they do quirky stuff they do they do stuff that's a bit sonically weird or you know has its own identity i was really keen to do something like that like i feel like the thorpey effect stuff caters more towards maybe like traditional kind of guitar players less like weird guitar players and i was happier to kind of exist in the slightly to the weird step to the left weird of like the traditional and kind of exist there so yeah rather than ju- we were never ever ever going to do like like thorpey's not a big like clone 
fan anyway like we weren't just we weren't ever going to do a big a, a tube screamer clone for example like that would have been the first thing that most people might do and we just weren't interested i was never be interested in doing something like that just like why would you put time effort and money into a product that 20 million people have already had a crack at you know uh, it's still it's this it's constant challenges like that like i'm a massive delay fan and the, the 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 weekly fight he and i have is like how do we make a delay that is really awesome really different comes in at an acceptable price point but is a competitor to something like the carbon copy you know because that's a that's a killer pedal and you got you know you're not going to outdo a carbon copy like for a competitive price it's just really difficult so that's the kind of challenge is like how do you do how do you do those kind of things like how do you make it exciting keep it original make it new make it different make it do something that hasn't been done before or maybe has some familiarity to it that people like oh i love that you know does it do that thing i like um and keep it fresh and you know make it something that people want to spend money on that's the challenge um and i don't believe the way to do that is to just well we're going to basically make an analog delay that's essentially just like a carbon copy but it's in a different color box and it's got a sparkly kind of you know you know i think anyone could do that anyone with like you know a bit of aptitude could do that but it doesn't mean you sell them doesn't mean that they that that people want to buy it and that's the challenge is like making something exciting and cool and giving it its own identity which i i like to think we're sort of slowly figuring out how to do and doing that with different effects like rather than do just like a, we wanted to do an overdrive, I didn't want to come out the gate out straight out of the gate with an overdrive. Like we did a sort of harder edge thing straight off the bat, and then followed it up with a weird fuzz octave. And then the third pedal we did was an overdrive, and it wasn't just any old overdrive; it was like a parametric EQ based overdrive with like two, like three different gain stages in it. It's um, wanted it to be a bit different, and I don't think there's anything like that that does that. I'm pretty sure we checked; I couldn't find anything that does. yeah no that's the thing like if we if we found something that this exists it would be like it would be crushing it would be like well we can't do it now because someone else has done that like you know and and even in development when you're developing other ideas you'll see something that's it's too close to and it's like i think we should put the idea on the back burner because someone's about to release something that's doing that thing and chances are it's going to be awesome so it's like well let's let's pick up one of our ideas and develop that a bit further so that's kind of the challenge, really, because we've always got ideas on the go. We're, we're developing about three or four pedals at the moment. And it's kind of like, which one do you want to put all your ducks, or line up all your ducks for and put all your eggs in one basket for? So um, that's the challenge. You really got to offer something unique and, and ultimately high quality, no matter what it is, to really stand out. And it sounds like you guys are doing that. I mean, you said you sold out super quickly uh, with the new pedal. Yeah, absolutely. And it was kind of difficult at first when we were kind of, how do I want to say this? When we were establishing our identity, because obviously both of us are well known for doing one thing. You know, one, one, I'm, I'm known for being a guitar player in a band. He's known for being the guy from that pedal company. And it's like, how do we come together and do a, a thing that isn't just like a side hustle you know what i mean like the 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 super group the like the the side project band like that was the last thing i wanted it to be like exist on its own merits and be like taken seriously and be a thing so i was very keen to sort of dissuade the idea that 
this is like a vanity project where I like make signature pedals like that. I, you know, I use this stuff, but it's like, this isn't about, Hey, do you want to sound like me? Then you need like, uh, it's not like that. Like, why would you want to sound like me? <laughs> like why? Like there's so like, I never really, when I was coming up, I was never like, Oh, I want to sound just like Steve Ray Vaughan. Like it wasn't a thing. Like I was kind of like searching for the thing that was, that would make me, me for years and and it took me forever to find it and I still haven't found it. And so I, I, I like to make, I like to put my energies into making stuff that helps other people find themselves in, in their gear and in their sound and stuff. It's not about sounding just like somebody else. I don't think it's like you, maybe you start there and then you end up somewhere else, which I think is okay. It's like, I tried to sound like Jay Mascus, my guitar tone, but now it just mm-hmm. sounds like, you know, not like him. But it's something similar, right? right? So you still have your own thing, and it's totally fine to like. That's where you start. Like everyone goes. I guess I kind of want to be. It's not, it's not like I want to be that person, but it's like you you learn by copying and you learn by reproducing and doing that kind of thing. And then I think that's fine. It's just as you don't want to be passing off somebody else's work as your own because that is like plagiarism, right? Uh, it, but saying, "Oh, I'm massively influenced by this guitar player or this." pedal company or this you know I, you couldn't release something which was basically just a copy of something else you want to start with that and then do so much to it that by the time you're done it's not recognizable you know it's so far away from where you started that it's like oh this has its own identity now and i think that was the main thing really was just wanting to put stuff out that stood on its own two legs and had its own identity which i think we're I think I'm quite happy with how we've done that, you know? Well, this I, I watched, I've never actually played one of your pedals, but I watched a whole bunch of videos in preparation for this and they sound fantastic. I think I like, I like how they sound like the distortion ones are like a fuzzy distortion, which is great. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. The, the hairier end of things. Well, luckily for you, there's a person in New York city who will happily bring one round to your door. <laughs> if Same, you day Same day delivery. <laughs> now, um, I think the well, thank you very much. It's very kind of you to say. Yeah, we um, they're kind of like the edgier sound of things. It's not haven't haven't yet made anything or got excited by making anything that's like subtle. Always want things to be like you turn it on, you're like, geez, turn it down. Like that's that's really full on. I like full on stuff. I like to hit something and be like, that's made a massive impactful difference to guitar tone. I sort of struggle with like those make gooder pedals that are like almost imperceivable. You're like is it doing anything? And someone's like, oh, yeah, 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 it's totally doing something. And then you're like, <laughs> it's not even plugged in. It's like, oh, okay, right. It's just, <laughs> you know, like the, the the total snake oil sound stuff. Um, yeah, I, just going back to what we were saying, I think, like, it's difficult in a world where, like, there's totally, in a market world that's totally saturated by other things, I think it's hard to be, f- like, the first of doing anything because you're take you are taking a lot from other people that have come before but i think we're the first company first british company that's like a touring guitar player and an established effects pedal builder working together on new products i don't think there's anyone else doing that certainly not in the uk i know there's like i couldn't i don't think we could say it like um globally because khdk who uh um david karen is a friend of mine who makes pedals with kirk hammett um, they make like a bunch of stuff and they're obviously, uh, I guess an American slash European company. Um, and so I couldn't, I don't think we could say that we've done that cause those guys do that, but like 
we're British, so we get to say we're the first British uh, company doing that. <laughs> That's awesome, and you know, Kirk Hammock is a pretty good company to keep. Yeah, ex- oh, exactly, exactly. I can't believe they haven't done a WA yet because he's like the WA guy, right? Like they've done. Yeah, yeah, totally. They've done like they they make some really cool stuff though. They make some really cool limited stuff. I've but I have a bunch of their pedals which are really cool. Um, like the Scuzz Box is a really cool fuzz. Uh, the Ghoul Screamer was a really cool, like, moddable, like, expanded modded tube screamer. That was actually a really cool pedal. And they did, like, the Abyss. I think it was, like, a bass overdrive. That was a really, really cool pedal, actually. Uh, but they do loads of cool stuff. Um, and like I said, like, David Karen's, like, a rad guy making cool stuff. So, yeah, lots of love for them. Um, and I would hope that, you know, we would ever get to the point where we're on the same sort of, in the same conversation as those kinds of um those kinds of builders you know like on the global scale it's early days for us still um and i'm really happy with where we're at and where it's going um this is something that you know we thorpe and i manage amongst lots of other things in our lives so it's kind of we make it work alongside other things like i like my my band career has never really stopped even though we've been sat at home for um 18 months i just played on sunday uh, just played at this uh, pilot festival, uh, like download pilot in front of like 10,000 people, which was like, this is how we're going to get back to having crowds kind of tester government backed kind of thing, which was pretty surreal. I uh, like walking out on stage for the first time in like nearly two years, which has been crazy. That was kind of cool. Um, doing all kinds of stuff alongside the red beard thing. So it's like a really exciting company slash i would say project but it's not a project it's ongoing but it's just a really cool thing that i'm really stoked to have put the effort into doing properly and getting it out there i'm loving seeing how it's growing it's really exciting where you see things going uh in the future more pedals obviously more like you said more exciting products yeah i think so um i think the goal would be to just have more stuff more weird stuff and as ideas come to you like try to try to put them out there i don't want to never want to do anything for the sake of it like i guess it's it's this weird like crossover of finding a need for something that doesn't exist but also having the courage to just put something out there that people didn't think that they would need or love you know like the like the angry rhubarb isn't isn't the product of thousands of people saying i really want a it was just it was a weird idea that we didn't think we couldn't find an existing version of them like wouldn't this be cool and then people are lining up to say yeah it is actually really cool so that's that's like the real beautiful moment where you kind of you nail it with a with a pedal that people are just like this is a really cool idea i never would have thought of this and i'm like yeah i can't believe we did i can't believe no one else has like it's a random one and yeah i just i, I just hope to have continued you know success with that stuff really and the goal is to make cool things that people want to get excited about playing um like uh, like slowly I'm like on Instagram and things like that. I'm seeing like pedal board, like generic pedal board, um, like uh, pages that post pedal board pictures. And I'm seeing more and more of our stuff on them. Like in amongst big name brands is like, it's totally wild, totally wild. Like to be in there, like, Oh, people love this pedal next to so and so they stack it with this. That's like the big, big part of their sound. It's like absolutely wild. I could have never thought that we would have got to that. And I don't know, to see that continue to grow is just the best feeling. Mikey, thank you again for coming on the show. Folks, remember to check out Red Beard Effects on Instagram and the web. We provide all the links. 
And that concludes this week's edition of our interview series here at Sonic Artifacts. Remember to please hit the subscribe button on your favorite streaming platform. And catch us every Tuesday for the best deals on affordable vintage music equipment in Los Angeles and New York City. This is your host, Brian Shalemi, signing off from L.A. And your co-host, Max Braun, signing off from Brooklyn. Catch you on Tuesday. <laughs>